This message is brought to you by ABC Church in Ammonford, West Wales. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org. The storyline is something that's really, really amazing, isn't it? So, can I help those of you here today that might be readers? And how many of you are cheating readers? Come on, hands up. Because what cheating readers do is they start reading the beginning of the book and then they flip straight to the back chapter to see how it finishes. How I many of you do that? Come on, cheating readers. Oh, there's one, two, there's three cheating readers here. Why do you do, why do, you do that? All of you, that's wrong, one is the other. I like you missed the whole journey of your emotional experiences going to, and you just go straight to the end. I mean, that's like going out for food and going straight to dessert, isn't it? Oh yeah, I just realised most of you here go straight to dessert anyway. So can I on this Palm Sunday take you straight to the end? Can I this Palm Sunday take you straight to dessert? Can we do that together? You know, because there's something powerful about Palm Sunday. There's something really powerful in understanding that the King of Kings that have come uh, to save us, not just the Jews, not just his chosen people, that he'd come to save you and me too. How incredible is that? So as those voices declare through history that I read in the scriptures this morning, Hosanna in the highest, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Isn't that the anthem of our hearts this morning? As we sing, blessed is he who came in the name of the Lord our God, our Messiah, that came to set us free. So he came as King of Kings. Riding on the colt into Jerusalem. And then we know the story. And a week later, he was crucified cruelly to a cross to purchase our freedom and to set us free from sin. And three days later, as next Sunday, we're going to be celebrating Easter. It's Good Friday. I've never, it should be Bad Friday, shouldn't it? But it's Good Friday for us as Christians because we understand that good came out of the bad. That God came out of the sacrifice and on Easter Sunday, that God, Mary went to the tomb and he wasn't there. That Mary came, am I pinching someone's sermon for next week? That Mary went to the tomb and the angel was there and said, he is not here, he is risen. And he rose from the dead and purchased our freedom. So can I go to the end? Can I go to the end, to where we are today, that we are this side of history? That we are this side, not looking forward to something that's to come. That we are this side of history. Will you turn me to God's word this morning if you have your Bibles with you? And as is part of my usual habit of going through the Bible in one year through various different studies, I have just finished reading Leviticus. Whoa! (laughs) The book of Leviticus. I'm going into the book of Numbers. Yes, the book of Numbers. And sometimes we look at these scriptures. We look at Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers. And I don't know about you, but I struggle sometimes when I go through them and say, God, what do you want me to understand here? And those three books, what is really, really cool about those books is, you know, the book of Exodus Exodus is about the freedom of God's people. And the book of Leviticus is all about the forgiveness of of God's people. And then when we go into Numbers, it's about the fight of God's people. And you can see three stories that are in Exodus, 
Leviticus and Numbers, that God wants to show us a pattern of things to come. So how's about we look at chapter 1 before we do like Olga would do, and we flip to the end by the time we come uh, to finish the message this morning. Do you think that'd be good? So turn with me to the book of Leviticus. And can you turn with me uh, to uh, the scriptures that will be on uh, screen for you this morning? Where are they? Let's put the first scripture up here from uh, Leviticus chapter 6. And we're going to read from verse uh, 9 if we can. So this is Moses that has, a re- has had a revelation from God over what God's order is going to be for the children of Israel, for the people of Israel that came from uh, Abram and down through uh, the um, lineage that led to Jesus Christ eventually. And this is a scripture that is years, thousands and thousands of years old that we're reading together. It says, Give Aaron, so that's Moses' brother, and he was a high priest that would uh, offer all kinds of sacrifices on behalf of the people that we'll see in a moment. It says, Give Aaron and his sons this command. These are the regulations for the burnt offering. The burnt offering is to remain on the altar hearth throughout the night till morning. And the fire must be kept burning on the altar. Can I read that again? Yeah. The fire must be kept burning on the altar. And it continues. The priest shall then put on his linen clothes, with linen undergarments. See, they had pants then, or whatever they were, undergarments. They had underwear, even back then. With linen undergarments next to his body, and shall remove the ashes of the burnt offering that the fire has consumed on the altar, and place them beside the altar. So he takes the burnt ashes and puts them beside the altar. The scripture continues. Then he's to take off his clothes and put on others, and carry the ashes outside the camp to a place that is ceremonially clean. My mother, when we were kids, used to have dillad gore, dillad gware. We had tidy clothes, best clothes, and we had play clothes. How many of you had those when you were kids? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. They don't seem to do that this week, these days. I mean, at all. I notice now children seem to have brand new trainers, and they, you know, go walking dogs in the mud with them. It's foreign to me. They should wear dillad gware when they were out to do such things. Play clothes, should they? Yes. But uh, back in these days, we can see the same thing. They had best clothes, which was to serve on the altar. There was other clothes in order to take the ashes out. Bear with me, because you're wondering, where's Phil going with this? But trust me, I'm going there. I know you're like Olga. You just want to go to the end. Now have some patience, for goodness sake. Then he's to take off his clothes, put on others, and carry the ashes outside the camp to a place that is ceremonially Continues. Then the fire on the altar, sorry, the fire on the altar must be kept burning. Can I say that again? The fire on the altar must be kept burning. It must not not go out. Every morning the priest is to add firewood and arrange the burnt offering on the fire and burn the fat on the fellowship offering. On it. So we've got to fuel the fire. Yeah? yeah. 
fuel the fire, to keep it burning. If you don't fuel the fire, it can't be kept burning. <coughs> the fire on the altar must be kept burning, it must not go out. The fire must be kept burning on the altar continuously. It must not go out. On this Palm Sunday, the title of my message to you that the Lord has laid on my heart to you today is simply called, Keep the Fire Burning. Keep the Fire Burning. How many of you know, and we'll look at some scriptures uh, later on, that the altar is now something that's no longer physical. It be, it's become a place in our hearts. And we read some scripture in, in Hebrews at the moment. And the altar that is built to celebrate, and we talk about different types of altars in the moment, is that what God wants us is to keep the fire burning in our hearts. You have to fuel your fire. I have to fuel my fire because it's the altar in my heart. It's the place where God meets me and meets you. Okay, are you ready for the closing chapter? Yeah. Are you ready? Come on in, let's pray as we ask God to just bless his word to us this morning. Father God, we thank you for the privilege of being able to turn to your word today. Lord, we thank you for the story of God that's written in scripture from Genesis to Revelation so that we can understand God's plan for our lives, that we can understand the pattern for our lives, and Lord, we can walk in liberty and in freedom and in victory if we just take the time to understand your plan for our lives. So Lord, as we turn to the scripture this morning, Lord, as we look at this principle of keeping the fire burning on the altar of our hearts, we pray, O oh Lord, that you would help us and empower us and fuel us by your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name and would give you the praise, the honour and the glory. Amen. We've got a kind of an altar in the house today. In fact, as I lean across here and grab our communion table and put it on here, this is kind of an altar. And the reason I say it's kind of an altar is because we are, as a church, what we call non-conformist. Is that what has actually happened through the work of the Reformation, through the work of Jesus Christ and through a new revelation and an understanding last year as we were celebrating um, uh, Luther and as we were separating, uh, celebrating all he did in nailing his, thesis, his 95 points of his thesis on the, on the doorpost of that church, he ushered in and began a movement that has resulted in us having communion as we have today. You see, Paul talks about the fact that we no longer need a high priest. You see, what happened all the way back in Aaron's day, it started there. In fact, it started a little bit before that, where people started building altars. So let me pause, put this table aside, and explain to you. You see... Altars are incredible things. The first one that was ever recorded in scriptures built is one that Noah did. He built an altar when the flood relented and all the animals came out. And I don't know why he did it. But for some reason, he felt the urge to build an altar and sacrifice an animal 
to God, being thankful that he and his family have been saved from the flood. And ever since then, there's been something that's built into mankind that we want to worship God in a particular place. And even as we read through scripture, we see that Abraham does the same thing. We see that Abraham, when he has an encounter with God and God says to him that your seed will be famous, you will, your children and your children's children, they will be innumerable, more than the stars in the sky, more than the sand on the seas. And Abram is so, Abram at that time, is so overwhelmed by this promise of God, of the significance of the seed of his loins and what it would mean throughout all of history, that Abram can do nothing more than build an altar. And he builds an altar to thank God. And then when he finds himself, him and his nephew Lot, he finds himself being separated from them. Now God has come even further. And he's revealed his way to him and he's renamed him Abraham. Abraham. And he comes to him and in that moment he starts to praise God for what he's done because he's going to be given Canaan's land. And he calls the place this is this habit that starts happening throughout the whole of the New Testament. That people build altars of stone. And they build them up and they give them names. And they give them place names. And a lot of these place names, you can find them in chapels all around Wales. That these places would be built. And when Abraham had the promise of God to him and to Canaan, that he would have the land of Canaan, he called that place Bethel. Now some of you here think Bethel is just a a place in Redding, California, and they release albums every once in a while for us to sing all the songs that we sing here. But the first Bethel is all the way back in Abraham's experience. And all the way through it, we can hear of all of these places where men build altars to God. They build altars of stone. They grab some stone together. Even in Leviticus, right? When the altar is built, can you believe this? The detail it goes into, it says that the high priest shouldn't get on a step ladder or shouldn't get us on a stool to actually place anything on the altar listen to this lest anybody see their private parts oh. <laughs> can you believe the scripture is so detailed about the principle of this altar yeah. can i ask what's your altar because these altars all have significance because an altar is the place where a man has had an encounter with god do you have encounters with God? Ian, no doubt, as he goes up to the Black Mountain and goes up the hills, uh, and Ian, I know, has taken some stones at some time. I remember you showing some stones, and you put one on top of the other. I don't know the re relevance of that to you in your life when you went and built it, Ian, Go but you probably would have done like I have done when I have done it myself. I have found myself on mountains, on beaches, grabbing one stone and putting them on top of the other, just marking a spot and saying, I don't know why I did it, and I was doing it on some little beach once. And I remember putting one stone on top of the other and just started doing it, and all the kids are laughing at me putting one stone. Are you building a tower, Dad? And I didn't have the heart to turn around to them. I said, I'm actually building an altar here. I'm actually building an altar right here and now, because whilst I was there, I just started one stone upon, upon, upon one another, I just found, in my, found myself reflecting on my life and turning around and saying to God, God, I thank you that you saved me. Thank you that you love me. Thank you that you gave yourself for me. And found myself there on Saundersfoot Beach, 
giving a kind of a physical place of an encounter with God. Is this church an altar for some of you? That it's a place that we come and we have our encounter with God. But you see, the altar is no longer a physical place. That's the thing. I'm getting to the end of the story. Okay, bear with me. I am still patient, Olga. Right? We're getting to the end of the story because what happened through the high priestly function is the only time that we could come and get the second thing that comes with the altar. The altar doesn't just speak of a place that we get an encounter with God. The altar after of the altar also speaks of a place that we get forgiveness before God. How cool is that? And so what would happen in the old type of altar that would be that had been built in Leviticus? It was yay cubits high, one by one by two. That was the size of the altar. And you couldn't come in. If I was the high priest and if I was Aaron. You couldn't come in here. You couldn't come to the Holy of Holies. There was two altars. There was one on the outside. And it's the one on the outside that you could see. But you couldn't come into it. You couldn't come any close. If you dared, if you dared, Katie, to come close to this altar, you'd be dead. Because this altar was the place that was holy. No room for you to come in here. Uh-uh. Sorry. The only certain people that were allowed to administer this. And so what has happened throughout time is all of us, and this is part of what Paul started, uh, sorry, the, uh, he, uh, the epistle to the Hebrews, if we read our scripture in a minute, what actually happened through Luther's work and through the work of the Reformation and through the work of those of us here as a, an independent church, you don't need a high priest, you don't need a priest anymore to go and confess your sins. Do you know that? You don't have to come and confess it to me. You have direct access now on what happened on the cross. And what, if you want to go and listen to Andrea's message called The Torn Veil, I think it was called, it's on podcast from about two years ago. She talks so eloquently about how on, uh, when Jesus uh, died on the cross, the temple curtain was torn from top to bottom and ripped open, and the Holy of Holies became our dwelling place. What he said, Katie, was, come on in. This place is yours too. No need for a high priest to go and dangle and incense and everything else and bring it all to you. And that was the discovery around the Reformation. They were going, oh my word, we don't need the high priest. No need to go to the Father and ask for forgiveness. No, no need to go to some man to ask for confession and to make our sins known to him. We can come and have direct access. How many of you like direct access? Yes. yes. How many of you like sports direct? Do you like sports direct? Cut out the middleman. You can order online. How many of you like coffee direct? Cut out the middleman. Order online. How many of you want a bit of Jesus direct? Cut out the middleman. No need for a priest that we can come to him exactly as we are. So what happens then in all the churches that are around Wales and all the chapels that are all around Wales, they began to name these places <coughs> after altars. Pisgah and Silo and Carmel. And Ebenezer, that's where I was brought up as a young man. Ebenezer, hitherto 
has the Lord helped us. The Lord has helped us thus far. And there was no altar in our chapel. You see, you can go to a Roman Catholic church and there will be an altar there. There will be this altar where the significance of the presence of God and it kids you into thinking that something holy there. It's not. And all we need to understand is through the work of Jesus Christ, we don't need an altar anymore that's physical because the altar is now in our heart. What we now have is a table of remembrance. We just have communion. This isn't an altar. And you can go into some churches and it, or some uh, you know, high church and it will have all the kind of gold goblets with all the wine. And, and it's not the spring. We come up. When you went up to dad, when you were at home, did he whisper, dad, is it okay? Can I have a biscuit, please? Is it all right? Or did you just march up to dad, because you know he's your father, and you just said, dad, I'm hungry, starving, can I have a biscuit? And what did your dad say? He said, hey, he looked at his watch, he said, nah, so I'm not going to waste lunch here now, wait until after lunch, you can have a special treat after lunch, for as long as you eat all your Brussels sprouts. <laughs> but what would dad do? He would give you your heart's desires, wouldn't he? And so instead of having a whisper, and let's not lose reverence here. We come with fearful reverence before God. Do we? we don't march into the holy holies chewing gum and say, Hey Lord, you should be lucky I've rocked up today. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that the holy of holies has become my dwelling place because of the righteousness that's imputed into me through Jesus Christ. He no longer sees me. When, Jesus, when God looks down from heaven above, he sees his son Jesus. My sin was put on him on the cross. When he looks down now and he sees me, he sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ that's been imputed, exchanged and put into me. How cool is that? So I can come to the table of remembrance freely through his grace, knowing that I'm forgiven. Knowing that I'm loved. Knowing that I'm accepted. Nothing particularly holy in the objects themselves at all. There is nothing sacred. And there's nothing. You know, I remember being at a communion table in Ammonford Church one day. And I sat on it like this. You know, and I was just having a conversation. I remember someone coming up to me and saying, oh, You're sitting on the communion table. And I was saying, well, yeah, like last time I just checked, it's like a bit of MDF for me. And we make things that are holy, or things that are unholy, holy. None of this is holy. There's only one thing holy on this table. My heart. That's what's been made holy through the work of Jesus Christ. Get it? Yeah. Right, we're halfway through. Can I take you to the last chapter? Yeah. The last chapter. In the story of God, turn me to the book of Hebrews. And we're going to read together because we talked about the altar as being a place of encounter where we experience God. We talked about it being a place of forgiveness. <coughs> turn with me to the book of Hebrews. And we're going to read chapter 13. Unlucky for some, but lucky for us. Hey, today as we turn to Hebrews chapter 13. And we're going to read together from verse 9. He says here, 
Do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. And we have a tendency to want to get religious. I mean, when we talk about communion, when we talk about altars, when we talk about this thing in the presence of God. But we've got a tendency, as people, to take on strange teachings sometimes. Can I just say something? Don't listen to anything that I have to say and take it as being gospel. Even if I'm preaching it here today. You work out your own salvation. You take God's word. You check out what I'm saying today. And you run it through your heart. And run it past the Holy Spirit and say, Is Pastor Phil speaking heresy today or is he speaking sense? You are duty bound as a follower of Jesus Christ to work out your own salvation. Please don't get all your teaching from YouTube. Please don't get all your teaching, even from this house. We do our best to keep it as clean and as pure as possible as we can. But work it out for yourself. Have your own faith. Because I tell you what, if you've got your own faith, when a storm comes, you will find yourself anchored firmly into the rock than rather than being anchored into any person or any person that you're following online or whatever. Chris Durso is a great preacher, isn't he? Chad Veach is a great preacher, isn't he? Phil Morgan is a great preacher, isn't he? Amen. Do you know what makes them great preachers? Because they point you to Jesus. I tell you what, point you to Jesus. Point you to Jesus. He is the author and finisher of our, our faith. He is our high priest. We don't have any glory. All glory goes to him, the lover and the redeemer of our soul. So he continues, do not be carried away by all kinds of strange it's good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace, not by ceremonial foods, which are of no value to those who eat them. We have an altar from which those who minister at the tabernacle have no right to eat. What's he going on to say? Have a look at this. Pattern of what came before. Do you remember when the changing clothes, taking the ashes outside? The high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering. But the bodies are burned outside the camp. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess his name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. And you see all the pattern that was there. The pattern, as we talked about, God's chosen people from Exodus. God's forgiven people in Leviticus. God's fighting people in Numbers. That has become our promise today through the work of Jesus Christ. We don't need no Aaron. We don't need him to put all the vestments. We don't need him to put everything on here and go bringing oxen, bringing lambs and bringing pigeons and bringing all of what we've done that same sacrifice jesus our king our prophet and our high priest came and was all in one and in significance of that moment the burning and the sacrifice outside the camp jesus is crucified 
outside Jerusalem, the chosen city of God, he who knew no sin became sin for us. Are you willing to go to outside the camp with me? Are you? We're willing to leave the old temple structure that was in Jerusalem behind with all of its grandeur because Jesus dwells in a different place. Jesus can be found at the cross. And will you come with me on that little walk all the way up to Golgotha's hill and come and sit with me at the foot of the cross and realize that not only did we have an encounter with God there, not only do we receive forgiveness there, but the promise is fulfilled there. The third sign of an altar is the promise of God's covenant. And he made a promise right there as he gave his son for us. As he gave his son for you, Sarah. As he gave his son for you, Gideon. For you, Ellis. And for you, Kenny. As he gave his son for us, he gives a new promise. And that promise is this. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. More than that, it writes and says, your sins and your iniquities, I will remember them no more. Will you come with me? Will you come with me to the cross of Calvary today and say, oh God, we want an encounter with you. We celebrate forgiveness through the cross of Christ today. And we come and as we usher in the covenant, the last place or the last quality, if you like, as long as together with encounter, together with forgiveness, together with covenant, the last thing that we see at the altar <coughs> is worship. Will you worship with me today? I want to sing that, clause, that song to close again. Can we, the last one that we did, uh, the atmosphere is changing. Now, can we sing that? to close as we come to worship the Lord today. But can I encourage you, let's not have any physical altars in our lives. Let's not have a place that we uh, call, you know, and put significance onto it. Some people have got little altars, particularly in the Catholic faith, they will create a little cross with some candles as a place in their home, as a place where they make a little altar. Can you come with me and make an altar in your heart? And can I share with you in closing these verses that we just read uh, in uh, Hebrews 13, 13. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. Through Jesus, therefore, I love this, it's underlined, I don't know what time when I learned, I underlined this in my Bible, but it's underlined in black and circled here in my Bible when I've read it in my quiet time, through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God. Can you do that? Do you see it? No, no, do you see it? Olga, do you see it? Because we're at the end. You see, just like at the beginning, we've got to continually keep the fire burning. It must not go out. The story's the same at the end that we continually offer a sacrifice of praise. Please don't let, don't let that fire go out. Yeah. That fire that's in your heart and in your soul, that no matter what's going in your life, no matter what's going on, we know there's a God that has a plan for us. 
We know that there's a God that has hope for us. It might be dark where you are, but daylight's coming. Amen. That we continually offer the sacrifice of our lips. Through Jesus, therefore, says verse 15, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess his name. Let's keep the fire burning. Keep the fire burning continually. Night and day, it must not go out. Maybe, just maybe, the fire needs some fuel. The fire needs some fuel on your heart today. Because maybe it needs a bit of fanning. The Holy Spirit wants to come today as the atmosphere changes. And he wants to come and he wants to blow on the embers. But will you give him fuel to work with? Will you give him some timber? Do you read in Leviticus 6 how they were to come and they were to bring wood? Because they couldn't let the fire go out. You see, the wind of the Spirit can only work with the fuel that we bring. There's an altar that was built to the prophets of Baal, wasn't there? Elijah came, and in one of these altars that we see through the story of Scripture, we see how there was a challenge between the, the prophets of Baal and they all, and Elijah just begins to make fun of them, doesn't he? He says, well, your God must be sleeping. He's having a snooze. I know some people have slept in this morning as the hour changed. I missed part of the service. I came in late. Don't get caught snoozing. Are you worshipping a God that's dead? Some people worship a God of materialism. A God of different experiences. God of pleasure. God of money. But we come with the fruit of our lips. The praise of our heart. And we bring the fuel of our sacrifice of praise. No matter what we're going through. Can you pick up a few logs today and chuck them on? Can you? Pick up a few logs in God's house this morning. Let's keep the fire burning so that we can give him his rightful place. Rightful place. Father God, let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the final chapter of history story. Lord, the epilogue is still to come. Lord, as We've been sharing through the scriptures today. We know that there's a time coming that will mirror Palm Sunday. That will mirror this day again. This day that we celebrate on Palm Sunday when we when the children of Israel, when the, the Jews declared, Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. And they shouted, Hosanna, Hosanna. Lord, we are looking for the final epilogue. We are looking forward for the day where the trump will sound. And you will come again. And you will come again as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And for this time, there are those of us that have decided to bow the knee to you. But then when you come, every knee will bow. Yeah. And every tongue will have to confess that you are Lord and that you are King to the glory of, of God the Father. But for this time of grace that we find ourselves in, oh God, may we resound from this house a praise that's due unto your name as we keep the fire burning. In Jesus' name, amen. This message was brought to you by ABC Church. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org or search for us on Facebook or Twitter. You can also contact us by phone on 01269 596000.